Hello everyone and welcome to Back of the Grid for the Spanish Grand Prix. I am Chris Evans and I'm joined as always by Stu Greenwood. Hello Tom, I'm Darren. <laughs> and by Darren King. <laughs> Hello Darren, <laughs> I'm Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Off the rails immediately. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was, my yeah. that was entirely my fault. <laughs> <laughs> we are here to talk about a lacklustre Spanish Grand Prix. Is that fair? It's not been the most popular race of the season. Mm. Well, it never is, is it? It never is. (laughs) It's never that great. And it's maybe never going to be again, but we'll get to that later (laughs) on. It definitely isn't going to be again. No. Anyway. Yeah, it was, as we said last week, Upgrade Mania. Pretty much everyone turned up with um, some kind of upgrade. Barge boards seem to be a very popular area. Has turned up with the whole like air in front of the side pods like I've never seen before. Seemed to work for them though. <laughs> Ferrari, mostly of note, uh, bought their new engine spec forward as well as some uh, air updates. To no avail. Yeah, didn't do much for them. Uh, <laughs> they were pretty off the pace uh, in terms of Mercedes at least in qualifying. Uh, they actually got split by Verstappen, Leclerc starting down in uh, fifth place. Uh, Bottas took another pole position. Is that his third pole in a row I think now? Yeah, it was, I believe. Becoming a bit yeah. of a Saturday specialist, isn't he? Um, mm. Helped by the fact that Hamilton apparently didn't have his battery charged properly for Q3. Um, so he was a little down on power. He's got, uh, so he's got iPhone batteries in his car. <laughs> <laughs> um, Other phones so are available. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the six-tenth gap was probably actually not as big uh, as it looked. But then again, Bottas had been pretty much fast the whole weekend, hadn't he, up until that point? Yeah, I think Lewis's race pace probably shows that he was a lot quicker than that six tenth gap hinted, though. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, where did Bottas find that six tenth gap? Is what I want to know. Sector three. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally like, sector three. I know the battery wasn't charged, and that couldn't have helped. But like, that's that is a lot to find. Like, I don't it's a big feel old like gap, isn't it? Hamilton would have lost six tenths just from the battery not being charged properly in the first stage. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that'll definitely account for a few of those tenths, but I feel like Bottas would have been on pole regardless from how the rest of the weekend had gone up to that point. Yeah, he was pretty on fire, wasn't he? Yeah. Haas's crazy new barge boards uh, did the job. They were quite comfortably uh, seventh and eighth uh, in that sort of best of the rest position that we've kind of got accustomed to them being in the last season or two. Meanwhile, Racing Point just sort of seemed to be going backwards. We had sort of earmarked this as maybe the race where the new money behind them would start showing its power, but really, really not happening. Yeah, they're just going backwards, aren't they? Yeah, down in uh, qualified Stroll was 17th and um, Perez 15th. Yeah, Stroll out in Q1 every race this season now. Yeah, yeah. kill surprise. Not good enough, really. Renault also, I think, were hoping to take some steps forward this race, and that didn't really happen. They were 10th, and Hulkenberg dumped out in Q1, down in 16th. Also yeah. not really good enough for them. Yeah, Danny Rick didn't do too bad getting into Q3, but obviously the penalty from last race 
Yeah. Didn't he? And ended up starting further down because of that. Yeah. But then um, they had no race pace. Even though he did manage to be fast enough to get into Q3, he seemed nowhere in the race, as did Hulk. No. They really, really struggled this weekend. McLaren just back in their sort of solid Q2, but no higher sort of position that, again, we've got quite accustomed to over the last year or two. Which is a shame because they seem to have showed quite a lot of progress in the last few races, but maybe that's a car that very much suits some tracks and very much doesn't suit others. I think maybe they all are to a degree. Yeah. And that's why we're sort of seeing, like last weekend, Haas looked like they were nowhere and suddenly they clearly were best of the rest. And then, you know, there was a point where Racing Point were looking decent and McLaren were looking decent and then they dropped off. So maybe it's just that because of the differences between them and how tight the field is in that sort of midfield, that maybe just certain tracks do literally stick out for certain cars in uh, or certain drivers in like a good way and a bad way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you look at, when you, when you look at Q3, um, sorry, Q2, the difference between 15th place and 10th place is, it's literally like five tenths. Yeah. Mm. So it doesn't take much to go very far forward or very far backwards on the current grid. Yeah, yeah. Moving on to the race, when I looked through my notes from the race uh, earlier today, about a third of them were from the first three corners. Um, Quite a lot happened there. (laughs) Hamilton got alongside Bottas immediately. Bottas complained afterwards that he was having some sort of weird clutch behaviour. It was kind of slipping through the early stages of his start. So I guess he was lucky to come out of the first few corners in second, given that he's there. His clutch was slipping. Vettel had a good go at it, though. He got a pretty decent toe. He went to the outside. Maybe, he, I think it was Martin Brundle said, he sort of almost followed the wrong Mercedes and maybe would have been better off tucking him behind Hamilton and going to the inside. Um, but yeah, he tried to move around the outside, which looked like it probably could have come off, actually, until he locked up and ran way too deep. Yeah. Um, sort of in synchronization with that, Bottas kind of power-slided through turn two. For no real reason, that just seemed to be all him, I think. Well, he got kind of pinched, didn't he, by Hamilton and Hamilton yeah. and Vettel. Yeah, he still had nowhere to go. Yeah, so he didn't really have anywhere to go. He sort of he had to break a little bit harder than probably what he would have liked in order to avoid those two squeezing him. Pure, I mean, it's not like they were squeezing him on purpose, but it's just he had to get out of the way. Yeah, the way it is. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what caused that sort of hairy moment for him. And that sort of had an f- effect down the chain of the... Uh, of the grid as well, didn't it? They all sort of sort of got a little bit caught up. Amazingly, no one had any more accidents after that. But like, yeah, yeah they all sort of concertina down through the pack. Yeah, it really did. Because I think the club probably came off worse. He was tucked up behind Bottas, so he had to kind of get out of it a little bit as Bottas had his moment through turn two. Um, and then as a result, Verstappen just hung it around the outside of both Ferraris into turn three, which was yeah. an amazing move. Yeah, it was. a strong move, that one. Yeah, really was. They, I, I said over the weekend they should they should just paint elbows onto the side of his uh, side of his car because <laughs> it feels like everywhere he goes he's got his elbows out the whole time. They even really look, the side pods on that even look like elbows. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd love that. That'd be so good. And then after that, it sort of turned into the same story of most races this season, which is what on earth are Ferrari doing? <laughs> it it became clear pretty early on that Leclerc was faster than Vettel, probably largely because Vettel had flat-spotted his tyres um, locking up into Turn 1, which he complained about almost immediately. But then they just 
left them to kind of duel for a bit for I don't know how many laps in it was, but Ferrari just seemed to sit there and do nothing, watching them fighting each other, slowing each other down. Like Vettel, he knew he was he was in a hobbled car at that point, but still defending. Leclerc was not really fully committing to overtakes because obviously, you know, you don't want to come together with your teammate. And the whole time they were doing that, obviously Verstappen was just disappearing up the road. And by the time Ferrari finally gave the message to swap, um, Verstappen had pulled over a four-second gap on them. It just wasn't done quick enough. No. Yeah, I- it's it's funny. I think the the smart, obviously, the smartest thing to do at that point is let Leclerc through. And I'm so, I'm kind of I'm a little bit surprised. Well, maybe I shouldn't be surprised by this because he's a racer. But I feel like Vettel obviously would have had a better race if Leclerc had gone through it. They'd they'd not fought and they could have moved forward together. But then when you've got Leclerc behind you, you've got that cushion to the cars behind. So maybe you wanted to keep that. And he was worried about the rest of his race. They knew they were slow. That's sure. He ultimately wanted off those tyres, though, because I'm, I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure he asked about changing them oh, yeah. before they told him to let Leclerc yeah, through. immediately. So, obviously, it was like he was properly on the radio about it once yeah. he had let Leclerc through, but I'm pretty sure he asked at least once before they told him to let Charles through. They were The the tyre the was so badly flat-sputtered that it was wibbling around. I thought it was going to come off. I thought the front wing was yeah. going to come off because you could see the vibration coming from it. Um, so, yeah, the whole time he was uh, he was begging for new tyres. One of his radio messages even said that the tyres were a pain in the ass. <laughs> so. yeah. But that that's kind of point two of what Ferrari doing because he was obviously asking for new tyres immediately. It was already a race that was a, it was a very very marginal one stop. But they waited until lap nineteen to bring him in for his second set. Like surely, once you've got a driver complaining about a flat spot, just bring him in, commit to the two stop immediately. Don't sort of let him hang out there. They didn't necessarily need to commit him to a two stop solidly anyway, because realistically, they could have done with Seb what they tried to do with Charles. Like, if they really want to try and go to the end on a one-stop, put the hard on and see if you can put times in on the hard. And then if it's really not working, you can go to a medium or back to a soft towards the end of the race. Because yeah. Leclerc was only in six laps later than him, so it's not yeah. like they would have been pushing the hard tyres that much more to do it earlier on. No. Yeah, just very, very strange decisions. It's like they've got choice paralysis, that team. It feels like it feels like mm. a lot of the time when they when they've got these big decisions to make, the the team is such that everyone's terrified of making the wrong decision, and so what they do is they settle on not making a decision at all until they yeah. absolutely have to make the decision, and then you often it's the wrong decision that they make anyway. So <laughs> it feels like that the engineering team maybe don't have like the freedom to make the choices that. The, the engineering team in say Mercedes have got who are always yeah. on the ball and they make those they make those really really brave calls for example the the double stacking that they yeah. did in was it Bahrain mm. that did that China I think it was China and it, ultimately that's what got them the one two in China the the double mm. stacking and it's that it's those moments of inspiration that Ferrari just don't seem capable of at the moment. I feel like every time there's a situation like this with Ferrari, I don't know if it's intentional or not on the part of the TV team at F1, but there always seems to be a shot of the Ferrari pit wall all <laughs> silently staring at the screens and no one saying anything or moving or anything. They're just all, Mannequins. 
Yeah, just sat there staring, like as, as if they're all waiting for someone else to be the one to say, do you think we should maybe ring him in for a new set of tyres, lads? It almost feels like there's a weird hierarchy that you've got to go through to get a decision made on the pit wall. Mm. Like the engineer says, this is happening, what do we do? Then ends up with so-and-so, then ends up with so-and-so, goes back to Italy, and then someone in Italy in in an (laughs) office somewhere is making a decision, has then got to come back. That's how delayed their decisions feel. And there's there's and there's a there's a there's an IT problem as well, and they've got to email IT, got a support <laughs> ticket. <laughs> well, I can't remember if it was this or a later incident, which I'm sure we'll get to. But like Paul Deresta during the race said, he was listening to Ferrari radio and said it would just seem to be confusion on the radio, like they would different people contradicting each other. No one quite seemed to know what they were actually doing as a team. It's I just don't understand what's going on there. Mm. Yeah, so Verstappen pitted not that long after uh, Vettel, actually, um, for another set of softs, obviously committing then to a two-stopper. So that kind of showed their hand and everyone sort of reacted off the back of that, I guess. But then because Vettel had stayed out so long on these knackered tyres, by the time Leclerc pitted, Vettel ended up stuck behind him, but then he was the faster one. And we had exactly the same situation again of them starting to race each other, Ferrari doing absolutely nothing about it. And again, there were several laps of that. They finally made the call to switch. And the whole time they were doing that, Verstappen had been faster again. Yeah. Which means when Verstappen made his second stop, he quite comfortably came out ahead of both of them. It's just bizarre. They, 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 don't, they don't seem to have realised who they were racing, even. Yeah, I definitely. Think they, they knew they were slower than the McLarens, for sure. They knew... Uh, sorry, that... The Mercedes. I keep saying the McLaren. I, I hope <laughs> they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they were. They knew they were slower than the Mercedes, and they just didn't seem to seem bothered about beating anyone else. So they just sacked it off. It felt like, it was so weird. It was just so 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 weird. They just make a decision. Someone make a decision. I'm 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 going around in circles now. So <laughs> it's especially weird when like we're all sat, you know, chatting on WhatsApp or whatever, and we're all saying they need to do this, what on earth they think. And you look on Twitter and everyone is saying, why haven't they done this? What on earth are they thinking? And it seems <laughs> obvious to everyone but Ferrari that they're making, well, either making poor decisions or just a lack of decision at all. Yeah, there's a there's a, thousands of fan forums around the world that <laughs> are all full of like the same content, which just says, why aren't they pitting? Why aren't they pitting their team? So maybe what Ferrari <laughs> strategists need to do is just join a load of forums. <laughs> one of them could join our WhatsApp group if they want. I'm sure yeah, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> and then every race, just go through them and see what the, what the worldwide consensus is on what Ferrari's <laughs> strategy should be. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure someone could write an algorithm for that. <laughs> there was actually. I, I have no idea if that ever came to fruition or if they even still exist. But there was at one point a new football team being started somewhere, and you could kind of almost like an Indiegogo thing. You could like put in money to help start this football team, but if you did that, you then got to make all the decisions. So all the decisions they made Ooh. as a football club was like a group think of all the people who'd put money into the club in the first place the hive mind yeah like hive mind football like ferrari almost need that because if everyone else is seeing the decisions they should be making just get a hive mind going on this is literally (laughs) giving me a great idea for a new f1 team let's start hive f1 let's do it (laughs) hive mind g (laughs) i quite like that um to be fair to ferrari i think 
when Leclerc got put on the hards, most people were like, what on earth are they thinking? But I actually think without the safety car, that might well have worked out for him. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with that. I wasn't as skeptical about putting him on the hard tire as I know you were at the time, but like, I think that it would have possibly worked out a lot better if it wasn't for that safety yeah. car. And that's, that's kind of the risk they were taking with that choice is they were taking the risk that usually things that happen there tend to happen quite early because it's like first few corners that the chaos yeah. starts rather than midway through the race. And I, they were just taking a punt on that, which mm. I can't see it as a bad thing. And you know what? If that safety car had not come because of that accident later on, they could have looked like geniuses because they could have got him on the on the podium in third. So Yeah, because everyone ahead was either going to have to make that second stop or struggle around on really badly worn mediums well, for the Verstappen last... 100% had yeah, to stop we because he, he went was. soft soft so we always knew he was going to have to stop the Mercedes guys were both that far in front that it didn't really matter I don't think they were catchable but it was more a case of that they could push that medium if they wanted to and then very worst case stop him for a soft but uh, yeah I, I think safety car kind of killed that plan yeah but it wasn't as bad as i think people first thought at least at the time yeah we'll give them that one mm. I, I still i'm still adamant they should have done it with vettel that's that's still my thing yeah i think maybe at the start that's probably what they were hoping for wasn't it they, they were hoping for a bit of a safety car at the beginning that's probably why they left him out for so long possibly yeah it, it is a track it. that we tend to have a lot of safety cars mm. In among all that, uh, when Vettel made his second stop, he came out behind Gasly, um, but it only took him half a lap to get past. He had a really late dive into the turn 10 hairpin, which was damn impressive. Got the break in very much right at that time, unlike the first corner. <laughs> we did get potential little bit of late excitement with the safety car after Norris and Stroll came together. Norris sort of went around the outside into turn one and tried to hang in there through turn two, and they came together. Um, initially Norris looked pretty sheepish about that as if he thought he was to blame um, but then afterwards he said he wasn't sure where Stroll wanted him to go yeah I don't know what do you guys think on that I agree it's, with that yeah it's one of those that's six one off better than the other isn't it it's like Nor- Norris was being a little bit adventurous maybe trying to hang it around there but I think that Stroll could have given him more room, but it looks a little bit like from the position that they were in when they made contact, Norris was possibly a little bit in that blind spot near that rear corner. And so obviously as Stroll's come across, he's possibly thought that Norris has slotted in behind him rather than slightly alongside him. It's not knowing where the mirror looks at. It's mm. difficult to well, judge. That, I, no, I think, you're, I think you're right, Tom. I think probably he was, a, he was in the, he's on his left in the blind it, Norris was on Stroll's left in the blind spot, yeah. Um, and remember, Stroll's probably looking at the apex of the corner as well into turn mm-hmm. one. But when you know you've got a when you know you're being chased like that, and the car's suddenly disappeared, and you've turned into the corner, there's only one place where they can be, and that's in your blind spot. They're True, not even yeah. directly behind you. If you can't see them, then they're along. They're in a blind spot somewhere. Um, and the rule, uh, as it is, is you should leave a car's width if. If that's the case, I suppose you could argue that Stroll had the corner, but Norris was alongside. Like as they came into to the end of the braking zone, absolutely Norris was alongside him. So yeah. I, it probably is a six or one half a dozen of the other. But if I if I had to apportion blame, I'd probably be sl- leaning slightly further towards Stroll than I would be to Norris. 
Yeah, I think the only thing I'd add is that while I, I agree, I don't think it's necessarily Norris's fault. I think a more experienced driver would have seen something like that coming and backed out of the move. Mm. That's that's the thing, isn't it? Though, if if he takes that incident. He's not blaming himself for it. He's not really directly blaming Stroll for it. But what he can take from that is that experience of knowing when to back out of something like that. Yeah. It's exactly like what Verstappen did on the, the first lap. Verstappen and, and Bottas as well, both of them, both kind of knew, like, I'm I'm not going to win this fight and it's going to end in tears if I carry it on. Drop off a second, but get a good exit and go for the you know, go for it on the next corner, which is what both of them did. And that's kind of what that, I guess, maturity and experience will come to Lando over time. Yeah, definitely. Because you make mistakes like this and you get involved in incidents like this when you're a rookie, but that's being a rookie is about in a way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's to be expected. And you know what? Like the, the, the move was on. I think, yeah, like he was, he, he, he moved to uh, stroll, moved to the inside to defend and, um, Lando had every right to be where he was and to try what he did. Mm. Um, he probably, I think part part of the problem is he probably put a little bit too much faith in stroll as well. So we all know stroll is not the, you know, he's not the bestest racer. Is he on the grid? I think that's fair to say. I don't think many people would disagree with that. No, I think that's probably fair. Yeah, ultimately the safety card didn't really change all that much at the front. As we kind of already mentioned, it allowed the Mercedes to make pit stops, um, which negated the uh, alternate strategy that the Chloe was on. Uh, Bottas yeah. kind of came off worse because he pitted the lap before the safety car came out. So any chance of him using the undercut on Hamilton disappeared instantly. Um, I think they only pitched him first, though, to cover off uh, Verstappen, who was not that far behind at that point. Gasly had a go at Leclerc on the restart, nearly got him, but uh, didn't quite uh, come off. But yeah, ultimately, the top few positions stayed the same. Verstappen held on uh, for yet another podium this season. But Mercedes got yet another one-two, now the fifth one-two in a row, which is... Well, it didn't last time they equaled the record. Now it's just their record of the most... Yeah, the the record was the first three races. Last time out was like a new one because they made it first four races. So right. now they're just extending, extending that. It. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of which, we've been doing some maths today. Um, Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> so, you guys have been doing better maths than I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least you had the idea, Stu. Oh, thanks. It, thanks. It was your initial brainwave, even if we did the maths for you. Stu so yeah. had the thought, I just made the spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but thinking about how much longer this run of one twos is going to go on, we wondered how early in the season they could actually wrap up the constructors' title if they keep getting one twos. Generously assuming Ferrari come third and fourth every race. Which is generous considering they haven't. <laughs> if Mercedes keep getting one twos, they will wrap up the constructors' title by Singapore. They could retire both cars from every race after that and still be constructed championships. So that would be 15 rounds in. If they also got fastest laps as well as their one-twos, it would be a race earlier in Italy. Wow. And then if Ferrari started not scoring points uh, from now on and Mercedes carried on getting one-twos, they'd be done by Hungary, which would be (laughs) only nine rounds in. Yeah, well, you've got to think for every DNF or double D, every two DNFs that they get that margin gets one race further out of the window, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, depending on where they're finishing, it's like another 15 points down yeah. the proverbial, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. 
Hopefully that's not how it'll pan out. Twenty-seven for a three-four, isn't it? If you twenty-seven for a three-four, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have all these numbers in front of me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and like, like we were saying before, they haven't got one yet. They, they, I think the well, best yeah, yeah, exactly, is a, yeah. A twenty-five, which is a third and a fifth. Yeah. Mm. So the fact that third and fifth is Ferrari's best result. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah, that's isn't insane. it? It's the best result. Yeah, they haven't had a three-four. They've had three fives. Yeah, yeah. And third yeah. is the highest they've finished as well. It's it's insane. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like the the top fives always involve the same five drivers so far this year, but Max is doing a very good job on capitalising on Ferrari's yeah. downfall, and he's making sure he's there to pick up that podium when they've made a complete mess, or at least wedge himself in between the two of them if one's having an off day. And he's doing an excellent job of that right now, to be honest. And he's mm. in ridiculous form. Yeah, definitely. We had quite a few bits of inbox about Max, actually, which we'll get to later on. Yeah. Um, just picking up some other bits from the race. Uh, we didn't see much of it on TV, but uh, Kvyat had a great race, probably one of his best races in F1, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, he had a decent one. He, decent he started ninth, finished ninth, but that was largely down to Toro Rosso double stacking during the pit stop. Uh, during the safety car, sorry, but not having the <laughs> tyres ready for either car, um, which unfortunately dropped him back from ninth. I can't remember how high he was running at that point, but he lost a few positions for that. Yeah, he did lose a few. I watched. I actually watched his entire onboard of his race today. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> I did fast forward through most of it, and there was a big, <laughs> there was a big old patch before the uh, safety car where he was in pretty much no man's land, with no one ahead of him. Hmm. Um, it was only when the safety car came in that his race got really interesting. Um, and he put a really good move on um, uh, before that, before the safety car, he did put an amazing move on uh, Raikkonen. And then he got into a bit of a dice with um, with Sainz after after the safety car. So he, he, he was he was napping after the safety car, Kvyat. Yeah. And um, he got overtaken down the straight, as you would have all seen. And yeah, right at the end of the race, he sort of got back onto the tail of Sainz and he was almost, he was just about within reach of eighth position. But um, yeah, he, he was out at the very end. He's like seven tenths behind at the line, I think. Yeah. Um, still a really good race, though. It was nice yeah, it to was. see him really performing quite handily, outdoing his teammate as well. Yeah, really mixing it with those horses as well. Yeah, which is a big ask given how much faster they were in uh, qualifying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they just didn't have the race pace in the end. They they ate no. their tires. They munched their tires. But I guess you'll get to the. Hassles. Well, speaking of Haas, yeah, um, they gave us a bit of excitement in the last few laps. Well, they were pretty much one behind the other most of the race, weren't they? Yeah. They were holding yeah. that seventh and eighth that they qualified. But obviously, after the safety car, they were right next to each other. Grosjean had a go at. Uh, taking Magnussen. I don't know if it was immediately after the safety car or the lap after, um, but they ended up banging wheels. Uh, Grosjean had to take the escape road. Um, pretty much exactly the thing happened the next lap, um, but Grosjean seemed to bounce over the uh, curb things quite a lot more. And I've not actually seen anything confirming it, but I assume he picked up some damage from that because after that second time he did it, he seemed to lose quite a lot of pace. He had Who did he have on his tail after that? It would have been uh, signs. Everybody. Like, yeah. Well, pretty much everyone. <laughs> yeah. It's signs and caveat, yeah. yeah. In fact, Grosjean missed um turn two three laps in a row, didn't he? Yeah, I can't remember I can't remember if they were consecutive, but it was twice with Magnuson and then the once other one was Sainz. with Sainz. Yeah. 
which was a real shame because they uh, it's it's kind of more of the past we've seen before isn't it they've been in a good position and kind of thrown it away a little bit signs did get him eventually followed by Kvyat yeah Grosjean did just hold on to 10th place from Albon in the end to get Grosjean's first point of the season um, which I guess is some consolation but he really should have been finishing 7th or 8th yeah it was 8 tenths Eight temps back to Al- Alexander Albon over the line. Yeah, he really pushed him at the end. Yeah, yeah, it was close. I'm a bit. I'm kind of gutted that Albon didn't get those points. If I'm honest, he, it would have been he had a decent it. drive as well, didn't he? At the yeah, end, he, he was um, really surging forward. Gunter Stein said he had some clear the air talks with both drivers immediately <laughs> after the race because um, I imagine they were Grosjean in particular. I reckon wasn't best pleased. Yeah, I don't I think ju- they were in the pen afterwards. I think they went straight to uh, to the back to the garage. I think to the so. Debrief yeah. Debrief room. Yeah, they, I think they went straight back there. I've seen an interview from the pen with Roman, but not Kevin. I don't think. But then again, I've not I've not actually gone out and looked, if I'm honest. But yeah. <laughs> I, I know that somebody at some point spoke to Roman because they were asking him about what had happened. But, yeah, he gave um, very um, pointed answers as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think there's two teammates on the grid more determined to beat each other, including the two Mercedes guys who are currently fighting for the championship. Like, <laughs> I think Grosjean knows, as he has for a couple of years now, that he's basically driving for his seat next year at this point. Mm-hmm. Magnussen, I think he's... Although I think, I think I'm right in saying they're both on one-year deals, but I imagine Magnussen's feeling a little more comfortable in being there next year, Grosjean less so. Well, considering Grosjean's only just scored points this weekend for the first mm. time, well, a point this weekend for the first time, and his teammates, like, the other half of the leaderboard on, is he on 14, 15, something like that? Four, 14 points in seventh yeah. position. He's like, I think, if I remember right, Magnussen's best of the rest at the minute, isn't he? He's in that, is he in that sixth spot, or is he not uh, quite seventh, as high as seventh, that? seventh position. He's in seventh. Best? Seven. Who's best of the rest? Oh no, yeah, that is that is that best, is of, the best rest, of the rest. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> for some yeah, reason, I'm thinking it's sixth for it's not, is it? <laughs> no, uh, that's that's Gasly's uh, position. All, all two. Gasly's so no only, man's land. Gasly's only got <laughs> 21 points. He's only what seven points ahead of. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I think most of those are coming in the last two races, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, which shows some form at least, I guess. We had them down as a team to watch, didn't we? We were like, let's you know keep an eye on Haas. Mm. They, yeah. They've had tyre struggles. They were decent in Barcelona in testing. Temperatures weren't actually a million miles away from the testing temperatures in the end, um, I don't think. I, d- I, I think Just... on Saturday, yeah, but I think the race was quite a bit hotter. The race was hotter, yeah, but on yeah. Saturday it was pretty cool around there, mm. um, which you would have expected the Haas's to have been a bit slower than they were on the Saturday, but actually yeah. They, yeah. Yeah, they were solidly best of the rest on Saturday. Amazing job. Haas are almost taking over that sort of Force India thing of achieving an awful lot with not all that much, aren't they? Like yeah. racing points are now sort of dropping back a little bit. And I'm sure we'll see them move forward at some point, but Haas very much kind of filled that Force India void. Yeah, yeah. The racing point will definitely get back into it, um, I think. I, I wouldn't oh, sure, be too yeah. worried yet. I think we might even see them com- coming back into the mix as soon as Monaco. If I'm honest, like it could be, it could just be a, like like Tom was saying, it could just be a setup window thing. It yeah. could be. There's all kinds of things because they're again, we keep saying it. They're so closely, tightly packed that midfield that anyone could be anywhere from seventh right the way down to 
what, 16th, 17th? Yeah. You know, it's it's all to play for, which is really exciting. Again, once again, if we didn't have the top like two or three teams, Formula One would be absolutely yeah. electrifying to watch. <laughs> yeah. Just shows you that you, you don't need the big manufacturers for to produce great racing. Yeah, it really does. Um, a quick bit on Williams to finish. Russell and Kubica actually swapped uh, chassis for this weekend. They claim they always planned to do this, but it was brought forward after Russell had to have a new chassis after the drain cover incident in Baku. So Russell was using the chassis Kubica used for the first four races, and Kubica used the new one that Russell had in Baku, um, which is of note because there's been sort of talk that a difference in chassis was the reason Kubica has been so much uh, slower than Russell for the first few races of the season. Unfortunately for him, it's not quite panned out that way. <laughs> Russell was still over a second faster in qualifying. Mm. Admittedly, Kubica's qualifying lap, he made a mistake through turn four, I think it was, but even so. The second's still a lot. Uh, like, I know he's a popular guy and people have to see him back, but at what point are we allowed to ask if he's just not quick enough <laughs> now now's the time i think it is <laughs> i'm gonna throw that out there right now ocon will be in that seat before the end of the season do you think i think he might be i really do think he might be i mean it's very difficult to to judge when you're in such a poor car compared to the rest of the grid it is. however when i i don't think he's outperformed russell in any notable not, session. Not once. Not a single no, session. Like, there, might, there might be an FP session or something where he's ended up slightly ahead of him. But in terms of qualifying and races, I don't think yeah. there's been a point where he's been above him. Even the session in Baku where um, Russell was forced to retire and there was a red flag. <laughs> he didn't outperform in then. Fair enough, there was a red yeah. flag. So no one, no one outperformed. Yeah. <laughs> no one <laughs> did anything after that. But still... You know, I mean, uh, Russell missed a whole practice session in Baku and still outqualified and outraced him. Mm. I was talking about this with someone today, and they were saying, "Oh, you know, well, Kubitz is a little bit older; his age is probably having an effect and stuff like that." But actually, is younger than Lewis Hamilton, Robert. Kubitz. Yeah, yeah. It's easy um, to forget, isn't it? Yeah, it is easy to forget. <laughs> There's a really <laughs> obvious joke to make there. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not well, doing it. No, no, all right. So you're you're avoiding the obvious joke, but this brings me to my thought that I told you that I had, but wouldn't tell you what it was. <laughs> Ooh. So I was I was right, I was looking at Robert Kubica on the grid when they were talking to him on the grid. I think it was Jensen and Martin, maybe you were talking to him. Hmm. And I thought to myself, Robert, why don't you just embrace the recede and shave it? And I genuinely thought that to myself. And then I thought. When was the last time we had a bald, as in properly bald F1 driver? Because I challenge you to think of one Ooh, that that's was bald at the time they were in F1. I like that. Oh. And there isn't one. Maldonado was close because he had quite thin hair for a Maldonado. while, but he was never bald. Um, and I really can't think of one. I've gone back to like the nineties, racking my brain of thinking who was bald. Honestly, the only the only two that spring to mind that were properly like balding at the time I'm, i think towards the end of sterling moss's career he was already losing his hair a bit and and fangio but then he was still winning world championships in his 50s so you'd expect him to maybe be losing a bit of hair yeah so at this point we're talking the 50s yeah basically yes <laughs> we do we do have um 
Nikita Mazapan testing a Formula One car. He's got very, very uh, short hair. <laughs> you, you can't quite call it bald, but there was one person I thought of that might constitute as qualifying. But I can't remember if he was bald at the time. I just know that he is now, and that is. So we get back to my little list that I had. <laughs> you made a list? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was writing them down. Oh. <laughs> um, Bruni, Jean Maria Bruni. Now, he had very, very short hair. He raced for Minardi for either one or two years before Minardi disappeared. And the only reason I remember him is because he races Porsches and um, <laughs> stuff like that. And he's been in Le Mans before Lewis, the last couple of years. Lewis Hamilton had really, really short hair. He's definitely had, like, basically skinhead at points. While he's been in F1. That's by choice. Yeah, yeah. When he was at McLaren, he had super, super short yeah. hair. It was, like, almost, mm. like, not Bic level, but... Yeah, but it was still there. <laughs> yeah, um, I just want to say I, I pointed out Nikita Mazapan. I just want to say he does rock that look. To be fair, it's a, it's a strong look. It's a str- if you can pull off, if you can pull off the skinhead. It is a strong well, look. This this is my point. Well, it was going to be my point. Like, why don't people just do it? Is there a reason? Yeah, commit, <laughs> why don't we have more bald F one drivers? I want more. Mm. If you know of any as well, by the right. way, make sure to tweet me and tell me. Yeah, if you think of any balding F1 drivers. <laughs> I think this segment's run its course. Let's <laughs> right, let's move on to driver of the day. Any any nominations? Well, the official one was Verstappen, randomly. I don't really get how Verstappen... I Ver- guess his, Verstappen, his move at the start was a good one. But... Verstappen being driver of the day is a surefire sign that it was a bit of a nothing race. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to give it to Kvyat because I can see Kvyat's there on the list and I don't want to give it to him because he, he did balls up the uh, the restart and that's like a cru- such a crucial point in the race that if you're going to give driver a day, you need to get that right. Yeah, that's so. a shame. Can I give you a suggestion then as another maybe? Absolutely. Uh, signs, because he went from 12th on the grid to 8th and it was a fairly solid drive. It wasn't a huge number of overtakes or anything, but it was a solid drive and he made up good positions. Yeah, yeah he is very good around this track. Yeah, I, I, I can actually go for that. Um, I did enjoy watching science for the brief while we did get to see other cars driving around the track other than the Ferraris. Because he did <laughs> yeah. this race was, I mean, I just, I do want to say this actually, like it, for that whole time we were following the Ferraris, there were passes and 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 dicing all can't speak dicing all the way up and down the field, and we were just stuck looking at two Ferraris not do anything for yeah. a big old chunk of that race. And yeah, kind of a shame. Yeah, it, it's not cool, man. Like when 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 there's so much else going on, this could have this easily could have come across as a much, much, much better race than what it did if they'd shown the interesting things happening rather than just focusing on the Ferraris. Yeah, it is a victim of that, I think, to it, a degree, isn't it? it? it mm. Honestly, it was definitely a much better race. From what I could see, it was a much better race than what you saw just on the world feed. There's maybe an argument to give Hamilton driver of the day. I mean, I know, again, it's boring to give it to the winner, but he did, after being slower than Bottas for the whole weekend up until that point, he handily defeated him. Like, yes, Bottas had a poor start and that kind of decided the race, but Hamilton was much faster than him for the entire race. Um, yeah. He controlled it, didn't he? Yeah. That being said, I do quite like the idea of Winter Signs, especially his home race. Mm. I can go with that. I'm Signs. I'm Signs as well. I'll take that. Signs it is. Uh, how about move of the day? There weren't many. In fact, I'll tell you exactly how many there were. There were 
a total of 31 overtakes, which is not many um, compared does, to previous races. Does that include overtakes in the pit lane or is this just on track overtakes? I believe this does include pit lane ones as well. Yeah, I was going to say that most of the overtakes were in the pits during the safety car period. Well, there were only 17 with DRS and I can't think of many overtakes that didn't involve DRS during that race. So Yeah, I can think of one. <laughs> I can think of, yeah, there's two, isn't there? There was the Verstappen one that we've talked about on lap one. Yeah. And then... Probably the Kvyat one, which I'm guessing is maybe the one that you're thinking of. Yes, the Kvyat on Kimi in turn four. Yeah. That was a balls the the outside move of turn four. Yeah, that's not an overtaking point. You can't I've never seen that there. before. No, are you sure before. it wasn't Albon, guys? No, it was definitely Kimi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dear. Har, har, har. That really bugged me. They were going on for ages as well, weren't they? The the problem is in in Brundle's defence there that. Croft had led him down a straight path, hadn't he? It's written on the halo. It's and there's a number <laughs> on the side of the car and on the front of the car. You can see was... which car it is. Um, yeah, uh, there's no excuse for that, especially the, the level they're at. That they, they shouldn't be making that mistake. <laughs> Considering the whole world at the same time, when uh, that's Kvyat, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was especially bad because Crofty got it wrong, and then Brundle used that as an invitation to just like wax lyrical about how impressive Albon's been for the next yeah, couple yeah. of minutes. Yeah, oh, and then had to hastily backtrack. I was cringing so hard as that was happening. I was like, "No, stop, stop! You haven't realised." <laughs> it's direct. The director must have been in the rear, just going, "It's fucking <laughs> Kavir." <laughs> oh dear, that's that's the one I think. We mentioned earlier Vettel on Gasly into the hairpin was quite nice, um, especially given how short that braking zone is these days. Mm. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm more on. Uh, I think I'm more on Tom's side again, Chris. I'm afraid. I'm. I'm, I'm a Verstappen two in one. Really, two two for one deal. He did. He did get two. Well, it was kind of like one and a half to two, wasn't it? It was, yeah. but they'd both had a compromised exit for the corner I suppose and it was to, it was early in the early, early doors but then he showed a lot of maturity in the move was the thing like he, he, you, if you watch the replay you listen to the onboard you can hear him lifting and like modulating the throttle to to sort of get it right and stuff and he set it up from turn one didn't he that's the thing yeah I mean I guess I don't know I don't I'm normally happy to go with the majority on these I'm but torn when now I'm really that torn. that that caveat move around the outside I literally had my mouth wide open like I was blown away by that move I'd can, be happy with the caveat one I'm just putting it out there can I give you all right why, why don't we call it a draw between Verstappen and caveat okay. on this occasion I suppose caveat was in a better location but Verstappen got a car and a half yeah that's so fair. Equals. <laughs> yeah, so the merits balance. I can yeah. just about just about go with that. Just about. Ooh. Okay. And then final award. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Can it go to me for stopping the recording before we went into this section and then start again? <laughs> Through the magic of editing, no yeah, one will know yeah. that happened. Yeah. But the, the, they do the, now. The, the meter WTF award goes to... <laughs> This is actually the uh, third time we've had to start recording again. Yeah. Don't start that. No, it's things <laughs> like that. <laughs> anyway, 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 stop it. We can't award ourselves. Yeah. Who are we going to? Uh, 
Darren. <laughs> Dar- Darren was good. That was that really tickled me. That radio message. There's some just the wit. What what I found amazing about that radio message was that he's got he's driving around at like 200 miles an hour, and he's still got the presence of mind to make a silly joke. Yeah, I love that. That's my it's, favorite thing. It, I think that that's why it's up there for me as well. He's on par with the. Um, there's a deer on track from one Pablo. Oh Montoya yeah, with the, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> it's like a, a horse with horns. <laughs> it's like, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep, I'm here all week. Uh, <laughs> what else we got? There's an argument for Haas once again making a mess of running in good positions. I don't know. I think that's racing. Let them race, man. That, that, I mean, that was one of the only bits of action. That we got in the whole race. I'm not going to it's give true. that to CF. It's true. Um, the, my my own favourite is the cleaning up gravel with the leaf blower, <laughs> and the man blow, blowing at the gravel with the leaf blower, and clearly saying these aren't leaves. The, the thing is, like, it was working. He was moving gravel with his leaf blower, but he was moving it one piece at a time. Like, there's blokes with brushes just clearing up loads of it, and he's just blowing along one rock at no, a time. No, like, he was literally, like, hitting them with the end of the leaf blower and just <laughs> flicking individual rocks away. It was bizarre. It was the weirdest it was the thing. Weirdest thing. weirdest thing. Um, I've got another one as well. There's another Go one. Go on. Um, it was like a, there was a really, really quiet patch in the commentary, and uh, Martin Brundle just started having a coughing fit. That was also good. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, like, it was right at a really boring part of the race as well, and it just summed <laughs> it up so beautifully. It was almost poetic. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, I mean, we could say Ferrari strategy again, but we've, we've yeah, said that we too many that times. All the time. <laughs> I, I don't think you can beat. Leaf blowing some gravel for me. Yeah, okay. I'm happy with leaf blowing some gravel. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I'm happy with that as well. Cool. Unless there's anything else you guys want to add on the race, then we can move on to predictions. Yeah. Okay, so uh, predictions for the Spanish Grand Prix. Uh, this week, we each got a point. Um, uh, the Bot G boys. Um, <laughs> hashtag Bot G boys. Uh, Tom, you lead the Bot G boys <laughs> on four points. It is going to become a thing. Um, <laughs> I'm in second place with three, and Chris is also in second place with three, um, if we're doing it that way. It's uh, not great, is it? Five races in. Five races in, yeah. Um, so of all the people who entered the Predictions League this week, um, Clara Manberg was the first to submit a score-worthy three-point scoring score. She correctly predicted Bottas and Hamilton for pole and for the win, respectively. And she also corrected, correctly predicted eighth for Carlos Sainz. And there were a number of other people who got uh, three points as well, but because Clara was the first to the uh, first to the punt there, she comes out on top. Uh, Neil Hyde leads the standings on 12 points, um, followed by Tom Monk on 10 and Narayan Hamari on 9. Um, and yeah, that's the predictions for this week. Uh, I don't feel can... quite so far behind, actually. Now you've said the other points there on. Yeah, like, well, I, I mean... feel like we can catch them. <laughs> Yeah, we. I mean, it's early. <laughs> it's early doors. I mean, early you, days. It's a long season. If we can all just stop picking Ferrari, we'll be fine. I know, right? Yeah, I'm done. I am absolutely done picking Ferrari. Yeah, me too. Hand, hands up. Who's done with Ferrari? It's an audio medium, but I've got my hand up. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> and you know what? Nothing will be better for Ferrari's prospects than us to stop saying they're going to do well. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. almost inevitable, you isn't do- it? 
you know what's going to happen the second we do it till like one two at race and nah i'm going to do it next fortunes. i'm going to do it next race I'm, well <laughs> I've, I've already done it i've already gone away from ferrari and red bull are going to be um where i'm going to be looking next race but that's for another episode yes a quick tiny bit of news just drop in uh we talked about it last week but zanvort is all but confirmed for next year's uh calendar it should be confirmed by the time you hear this um it basically already has been uh bbc sport asked chase carey on sunday <laughs> about it and he said i don't preview announcements we'll announce it when we announce it on tuesday so you basically <laughs> announced it then chase haven't you <laughs> that's um, what i thought upon reading that <laughs> yeah um so yeah that basically means anvo is in and barcelona is almost certainly out for next year uh, which we kind of talked about last week so yeah if you want to hear our thoughts on that track go back to last week's uh episode they weren't mm. great did you know it's by a beach, Zandvoort? Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah it's right on the coast. And guess what? Guess what Zandvoort means? It means sandfort. It's yeah, it's Dutch for sandcastle. It means sandfort, yeah. sandcastle, yeah. Zandvoort. I like there it. Germanic language one hundred and one. <laughs> Shall we do some inbox? Yeah. yeah, we had loads of it this week, um, so we will get through as many as we can. But if we don't read yours out, uh, we apologise. But we are. It's a packed mailbag this week. Uh, right, first one is from Joe V saying, if you could make a fantasy F1 team using past and present drivers and teams, who would your constructor and two drivers be? Good question. Good question. Um, I would go... I'm, I'm going not on what I think would be a good team to get results, although they probably would be. Um, I'm going like 98 99 era mclaren because that was kind of when i really got into f1 and i love that car um and then i'm going mika hakkinen because he's my favorite f1 driver of all time and he drove that car and then i'm having jensen burton as his teammate purely because i think those two as teammates would be hilarious together ah that's so good you've clearly read this in advance and thought about it (laughs) (laughs) i also feel like i may have stole most of tom's answer knowing the drivers that tom likes (laughs) Yes, you basically <laughs> still in my team and one of my drivers. <laughs> That's why I got in first. Damn you. My team is going to be Lotus, um, partly because I love the colour British Racing Green. Nice. <laughs> and partly because the Lotus 29 is maybe my favourite racing car ever made. It's a very, um, very good looking it's, car. It's a sexy looking thing. It looks like a big green cigar. Um <laughs> My drivers uh, would be. Uh, uh, can this be? Can the team constructor be in any era as well? Right? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah anything right. can be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, Lotus, my team, and I would go for. I mean, it's got to be Senna for me. I love. Absolutely fascinated by Senna, and which is so generic, isn't it? Such a such a go to answer. I feel um, like ninety percent of people who answered this question would say Senna, and probably for a yeah. very good reason. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a, just a legend, isn't he? And then, I think a really interesting matchup would be Senna and Hamilton, and yeah. I think the the battle between those two would be absolutely electrifying. So that's again another. It's a. It feels like a really obvious answer, but I genuinely would be fascinated to see that. I would say people like to compare Hamilton to Senna, so it would be cool to actually see yeah, them I up against each other. Lewis quite likes to compare himself to Senna, I think. So. Mm. <laughs> Judging by some of his past helmets, <laughs> <laughs> I've thought of one. Go on. 
And I'm going to change the car slightly. I'm sticking with McLaren, but my McLaren era would probably be the sort of the late 80s one, the 88, the, the MP44, basically. The that one was that, my second choice. <laughs> like, Prost was incredible yeah, in. Yeah. Um, and I think that was around the time Sander jumped in it as well. Well, that might have been the 4.6, but the- that, that sort of era of McLaren anyway. And my driver alongside Jensen, just because I love Jensen, the other one would be Jim Clark. Nice. Oh, I've always yeah, Jim Clark. That's I've a good always. combo. So, that's kind of where I got the Lotus because that's Jim. The Lotus Twenty Nine was yeah, the Jim yeah. Clark's Lotuses. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another another driver I'm fascinated it, by. I wanted to stay British where I could, so that's why I went there. I was thinking Jackie Stewart for a little nice. bit or someone like that. But... So, are you going to call it Team Brexit? So <laughs> 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 there's Brexit for me with one team. No, because I want Mercedes engines. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Anyway, we better move on. Um, shall we do the next one? Yeah, do you want to go next? Oliver Abrahamson says, Hi guys, love your show. The best part of my F1 weekend has for a few years been F2. Unfortunately, I feel like the quality is lower than ever. With the Top three from last season graduating to F1 and top drivers like Antonio Fuoco and my favourite Arta Markelov leaving. What do you think of the F2 this season? Oh, uh, well, there's only been two races so far this season, one in Baku and one in Spain. Uh, so, and Bahrain as well. Bahrain, oh, yeah, they're yeah. called... Yeah, yeah we're three in. Bahrain, three in, aren't we? It was definitely a stellar year last year, I think, with like the three yeah. drivers he mentioned. This year, I think it's a more maybe like a more even playing field. It feels like more drivers have a chance of getting podiums this year, whereas last year it was like mostly Russell versus Norris. Yeah, and Aitken, uh, Albon. Sorry, Albon was around. Yeah, yeah, Albon was in there. He, I can't remember who won last year. Two or three. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I- I think the thing that you've got this year is you've got a scenario where there's a few drivers that maybe still got a year or so to develop, and this is their season to really develop because there's a lot in there with potential. Like DeFries is one of them, Giotto, Calamilo, Latifi, Schumacher, obviously, yeah, Yeah, yeah. Hubert. Like there's 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 so much potential there, but I think this is the thing at the minute is. Nick DeFries is probably the closest one to be in the finished product, and that's because he's already experienced in the series. A lot of these other guys, the first year of F2 is this season. So I think that's the difference. You've got a lot of guys that have just got to find their feet, um, and then we'll probably see the best of them. But there's definitely some talent there. And people like Markelov and stuff like that were very good drivers in F2, but they'd been around a while. So I think Mm. give it a season, maybe, and... It'll all come good. I'm I'm confident in a lot of those names I've mentioned anyway. Yeah, yeah definitely, I agree. It definitely feels like it's gonna get more spice towards the end of the season, doesn't definitely. it? Definitely. Yeah. Um mention Nick DeFries actually, he re- he was part of the McLaren Young Driver program, but he actually recently uh parted ways with them. So he's not actually tied to an F one team anymore. Yeah. Which seems a strange choice because he's been pretty impressive recently, but I guess McLaren do have plenty of drivers these days <laughs> knocking around. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, next question uh, from where are we? We're there from Aaron Griffith says, G'day lads. 
guess where Aaron's from. Um, <laughs> first question of the new season is hopefully an interesting one. I've been thinking about tyres and specifically tyre selection. Currently, Pirelli decides which three compounds to take to a race and then the teams get to select how many of each up to the maximum allocation they want to use. What would be the harm in allowing the teams to choose from any of the five available compounds without Pirelli's advice slash recommendation? Uh, it would introduce an interesting bit of risk versus reward for the team selections. I could see top teams taking the softest for qualifying and the hardest for the race. Mini midfield teams could potentially be bold by going for a soft tyre in the race to try and take positions from the big three. You um, also sort of suggests maybe allowing them to put in their initial suggestion, then after seeing everyone else's make a couple of swaps and stuff like that. Um, it's, it is an interesting one. Um, it is an interesting one. Can I? Uh, but I'll tell you why they don't do that, shall I? Go for um, it. Because they would have to manufacture so many different tyres It'd be very, yeah. very difficult to supply all the teams with with all the different that's variations of tire. That's that's. I think that's the main reason they don't do it. Um, it would be great. I think it'd be a great idea. But I do think as well what you'd tend to see would be teams going down probably the for the most part the softest route for maybe. But then they do allocate the tires based on the track as well. So true. Um, but then given. I think this season, because everyone's sort of treating their tyres, all the, the, there seems to be much more var- variation with it ar- across the teams as to how they work the tyre and wear the tyre. So you know, it could be that it, it it would mix up the order a bit and maybe bring them all together a bit closer if they're all on different tyres, because you wouldn't get that team like say Haas have had the problems with getting the tyre switched on the first few races, which they seem to have got on, on top of in. Um, in Barcelona, maybe they would have been much, much more in the mix than what they have been so far. They might have even been closer to the top teams if they'd been able to get the right tyre. So it's an, it's a very interesting idea. But it is. Logistically, it'd be very difficult to supply all the teams with all the different compounds. Ooh, do you know what would be really good? If before race weekend, Pirelli said, this is the tyres we're bringing, and then they did kind of like the draft system in American sports where... Yeah. The team that's last in the championship gets to pick a set of tires, and then next from last gets to pick the <laughs> next set of tires, and I take it in turns picking one. That's 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 not too genius. dissimilar to something that I was just going to suggest, <laughs> which is I was going to say that only like the bottom so many people in the championship can use the soft tire, especially yeah. in quality. Like, so if you're below a certain point in the championship, you're allowed to qualify on the softest tyre. But if you're above a certain point in the championship, you've got to use the medium or hard. That's actually an amazing that, concept. Because that makes the grid up completely. <clears throat> the beauty of that is you'd, ha- you'd have to design a car that can be adapted in its wearing of the tyres. Yeah. So you, if you went into that from the outset, knowing that you, you could end up lumbered with any tyre, you'd need it to work across a really broad range of... of of uh, of compounds i guess the problem with it the, the argument that they'd make against it is we're spending these millions developing these cars and if we get lumbered with shit tires then we're just gonna be at the back of the grid and it's all gonna be for nothing <laughs> well that is true yeah well then make a car that's quicker on the not so good tires well yeah oh, yeah make a car that's <laughs> good across the board on all the tires which is not an easy exactly. not an easy thing to do i mean I, I guess they're kind of already trying to do that but yeah to a point 
But yeah, you it, know Mercedes is still one to it all. So it I don't know <laughs> that they would, you know, because if, if they got last choice of tires and they just ended up with all hard compounds, <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> that'd be so funny from the start. It'd, but definitely balance out the order. That's a really interesting concept, Chris. If if not for the financial and logistical and environmental nightmare that it would cause, one of these things might be a fun idea. Yeah. I think that they'd never be able to get away with. That's the the big problem is they just wouldn't be able to get away with them giving them such choice of tire compounds. If you no. if you only had three compounds across the season, you could probably do that. You could probably get away with that. But the fact that they've got five, it just makes yeah. it logistically it makes it very very difficult to produce and supply that amount of tires. Um, I found out the other day. Does anyone know how many tires it is over a weekend that Pirelli supply to to all the teams? Doesn't every driver get 12 sets? 13. Right? Each driver gets 13 dry sets. 13, that's it. 30, 13 times 20, that's 260. 200, so that's 260 tires straight away. Well, 260 sets. 260 times that by set four. Of, sets of tires. Times that by four. 260 times four. Yeah, it's 1,040. 1,040. Um, over a C, that's just one race. So times that by 20, 1,040. That's. Nearly like twenty one thousand. You're talking tires? twenty, yeah, twenty two thousand tires. Yeah, it's a lot of rubber, just for dry races as well. Yeah. Imagine the fact that they've got to have wet tires ready and intermediates ready just yeah. in case. Yep. What we've managed to do there, guys, is make tire talk interesting for just a brief moment. <laughs> it had to be possible. Everybody eventually. loves tire talk. Mm. Stu, you're the only person that doesn't like tire right. talk. Honestly, yeah. the one component <laughs> that's exactly the same on every car. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> don't like it. <laughs> uh, this next one is a segment that has been dedicated to four people because they're all very similar points. <laughs> so um, I'll kind of go through each point, I guess, and then we'll discuss it all as a whole. So the first one was Tom saying, Hi guys, do you think we're starting to see a more mature Max this year? His former teammate has seemingly disappeared from his mirrors along with the Ferraris. Uh, he's looking more like a future world champion. Uh, Steve Barlow said, as Max has been driving so well as of late, uh, do you think he can win in the streets of Monaco or will Mercedes get another one too? Andrew Walker said, do you think Max is too good for Red Bull? If Max was Bottas and switched teams, do you think the Red Bull would be as competitive? And lastly, Kay Mengham said, who do you think will win first? Ferrari or Red Bull, I think Max could win in Monaco if he doesn't bin it at the swimming pool chicane during FP3 for the third year in a row. <laughs> so what's the question? Um, Max. <laughs> the question Max is Max. Discuss. Do you know what? We've actually not talked about him a ton this season, and I think that is very much a positive because we talked about him a lot the last couple of seasons, and it was normally because he had done silly things more often than not. He definitely seems to be a more mature driver this year, for sure. He's got a bit less to prove now. He doesn't have as good a driver up against him. That's the thing. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like when Ricardo left uh, Red Bull, Christian Horner famously said he felt like he was running from a fight, which you can agree with or not. But maybe not having that as big a fight has also benefited Max a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't feel as maybe do or die because maybe before he was, some of the moves he made that became a bit questionable and a bit talking point. Yeah, definitely. But because it was like, I have to do this because I have to be, be outscoring Danny Rick. And now that that pressure's lessened with Gasly, 
he's not as desperate and he, he's, he is a bit more mature and he thinks about the moves a little bit more. I think the move this weekend kind of shows that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and his persona in general seems much better now. He seems a bit more mature, doesn't he? Yeah. Mm, yeah. As as for him being too good for Red Bull, I mean, as much as I'm, I am very much a Bottas fan, I think hand on heart, if Verstappen was in that Mercedes, I think he'd maybe have done even better than Bottas has so far this year. And Bottas is already doing very well for himself. Although that being said, I don't think he's too good for Red Bull because I think Red Bull is Verstappen at this point. Like that is now a team yeah. built around him, just like they used to be a team built around Vettel. So maybe in a different environment where he doesn't have that whole team around him, he wouldn't be as good potentially. Yeah, and the car's going to be very different as well. Mm. And the, like it, it, that's, I guess, the point you're making in a way is that that car is kind of designed for him, which I think is one of the reasons Gasly struggles with it a little bit. Yeah, definitely, because they've not got the same driving style. And it's one of those classic scenarios where a car's kind of designed and set up more with a lead driver in mind, which compromises your secondary driver, which is unfortunately what Gasly is at the minute, because yeah. he can't get it in the window that he likes just because of the general uh, sort of construction of the car, mm. um, which is a shame because Gasly's, I think, a lot more talented than his recent performances show him to be but fingers crossed he'll get to grips with that um yeah and but, in terms of um who, who do I, who do we think will win first I, I think red bull i think i think max will win yeah. monaco I, I can see max uh, winning monaco this year that's that's already where i'm thinking of going predictions wise Same. next week if they're so. going to win anywhere it's going to be there well mm-hmm. you should have kept your powder dry because i'm going to hold you to that <laughs> I've already I've already decided that I'm going to max double. So damn, Un- unless some unless something extremely significant changes between now and next week when we record in terms of like some weird news breaking, like Max has a <laughs> ten place grid penalty because <laughs> of something, then that's the only reason I'm not picking to win. Yeah. And I'd still pick him for fastest qualifier because he could be. could be. If he does now, this is definitely the earliest call for predictions league we've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks in advance. <laughs> I'm, I'm, the dust like, has barely settled in Catalonia, and I'm already. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you, but I'm keeping my powder dry. Yeah, um, same. I'm wearing mine. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got wet powder, boy. Um, <laughs> Brockhart just says, "Has the constructors' championship already been decided? With a fight for the world drivers' championship being between Bottas and Hamilton." I'm a Ferrari fan and I genuinely can't see them picking up their game and fighting for the championships this year. Do you think the, the way the ladder was after Australia is the closest Ferrari will be to Mercedes or will a miracle happen? Um, I, I mean, yeah, mate, I'd like to see a miracle happen. I, I, wouldn't, I don't want <laughs> yeah. Mercedes to run away with it. Do I think it will happen? I think right now the Mercedes is just... We're looking down the barrel of a 2015-2016 kind of year. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah, the the Ferrari's just <laughs> nowhere. Like it's the thing is they're struggling to keep Max behind them. That's the I think that's the it's most the crux, worrying thing for Ferrari right now is they can't even solidly stay third and fourth behind the Mercedes. If at least they only had to close the gap to Mercedes, it'd be a bit less of a worry, but They've got to worry about Max as well, and every time he 
sticks it on the podium, he's stealing those points from them, which means that, yes, if it stays like it is, that constructor is, is going back to wherever they officially are based. Because... <laughs> <laughs> They might have a base here, but I guess the trophies probably end up in Germany somewhere. Probably in Stuttgart. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think we'd kind of earmarked Barcelona as being like, this is where Ferrari can and should be able to turn it around. And they just didn't even come close, did they? No. And I think that shows either how much Mercedes was sandbagging in testing. Yeah. Or just how much the... Ferrari is underperforming at the moment and how they don't understand. They either don't understand the car or they gave everything in testing and Mercedes didn't. Yeah, totally. Emmett Nugent says, Hi guys, during the off-season I was counting the weeks for Australia and I have to say in comparison to watching the last couple of races, that time flew by. Uh, <laughs> what is happening to our beloved sport? Not even a safety car can spice things up anymore. Is there any hope? Mercedes have won it already. It's just a case of which one. I, I wouldn't Write it off. I mean, I think that race was a pretty standard race for Barcelona, which is to say it doesn't produce many good races. And I maybe wouldn't hold your breath from Monaco either, but I think we've definitely got more good races in the calendar to come. Um, Whether it's just a Mercedes show for the rest of the season or not, I think we're still going to have some good, exciting races. We've already had a number of good races this year so far. Yeah, even if it even if it is just the Mercedes show, you've still got a really, really, really tight battle between Hamilton and mm. Bottas at the moment. So, as long as that sort of keeps up, then it you know it should it should still be a decent season. I've I've no real pro- people care more about the drivers' championship, don't they, than the than the constructors. Yeah, the general sure. public probably probably yeah. Do. So you know, I'm happy to see two teammates going wheel to wheel all the way up to the end of the season. Um, it, yeah, it would be nice to see the Ferraris and the Red Bulls sort of up there and, and taking the fight to them and interfering. But, you know, like as long as it's just not a one-man show for all season, then then that's kind of enough for me. Yeah, it's better than nothing, isn't it? It's better than one driver running away with it, like you say. If, you know, if Bottas and Hamilton keep going backwards and forwards all season, at least there is some entertainment there for people. It's just... If you are solidly a Ferrari fan or a Red Bull fan or, yeah. or whatever, it's it's like watching a Man City run away with the league while you're supporting oh. whoever, isn't it? Like <laughs> yeah. Everton. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. It's like you you're sort of just always looking up at the rest at the top of the thing. Yeah. And don't remind me that Man City won the league, please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, while we're doing football analogies, I do think that if it does end up being a Mercedes show Odds are it's going to go down until the end of the season, much like um, the Premiership of this year. I don't think yeah. it's going to be another Hamilton yeah. wins it by Mexico. Not not the way Bottas is performing. No, no, not at all. If that's the case, who who is City and who is Liverpool? We'll have to wait and see, won't we? Eric R says, when can we stop saying that Ferrari is faster than Mercedes? Now? Uh, now, yeah. Yeah, I think we already have. Yeah. <laughs> that was the easy one. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Vasco Briesenfeld asks, why is it that if Lando passed Stroll on track, he was still the first DNF in the race results? It cost me a championship point in the predictions league. <laughs> um, maybe, Tom, you can answer that one. I think you know. <laughs> well, since I did it so elegantly earlier in our chat. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you dug into this. <laughs> well, th- this, is, this is how I worked it out anyway. So 
there's three sectors on the track, which people most commonly know, sector one, two, and three. But around the track, there's a lot more individual timing sectors that are a lot smaller. Mini sectors. And they're they're usually, yeah, they're, yeah, usually mini sectors is what they're called. And they're used for the gap timing and, and everything like that and the official markers. And if you go watch the comparison lap between Bottas and Sebastian from qualifying, you can actually see where all these mini sectors are because they, they colour them in bit by bit as who is ahead in each sector when they're comparing the qualifying laps. And if you look between turns two and three, there's a little sector all on its own. And the incident between Stroll and Lando happened after they'd entered that section, but then nobody else ever left it. So Stroll was ahead going into that sector, that mini sector, then was taken off the track. Lando passed him, but then never broke the next timing beam to go into the next mini sector because they pulled up just on the entry to turn three. And the next one's kind of a little bit halfway around turn three. And he never got to that. So because the last timing beam that they broke, Stroll was ahead, Lando officially finishes behind him in the standings. Mm. And we have to go by that because that's what the rules say. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why Lando was first DNF in the Predictions League, everyone. Yeah. Fun <laughs> facts as well to go with that. Um, they go out to the tracks months in advance to set up all the timing loops around the track. So the reason the reason you're able to see the uh, the times change, the, the gap change through throughout the lap of a race is because that every time that that gap number changes that means they've gone through a timing loop and it's taken the measurement yeah. of the delta or the gap between the two cars so if you wanted a sort of visual representation of that while you're watching a race then that's how i guess that's one illustration of mm. how you'd see it um it's not just yeah. as simple as three sectors there's many many like like tom says there's many many much it's about 20 between 20 and 30 usually mini sets yeah it usually depends on the circuit but it's somewhere in that region isn't it yeah um, so yeah that is the reason for that cool and i think that's it for inbox isn't it yes looks that way one last thing to talk about uh this sunday the 19th we are taking part in caroon's karting carnival at the witten mill uh, so wilton mill circuit in northamptonshire uh which if you've not heard of it is a karting uh Coliseum, <laughs> Coliseum of karting. It's it's it's. I mean, it's 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 a, it's a race or whatever um, that Kroon Chandok uh, puts on every year um, to raise money for the Vishnu uh, Devanada Charitable Trust in India, uh, which is a charity for uh, underprivileged children in India. Um, yeah, and we are going to be uh, taking part in the race there. Um, that's norm- living up to our name, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Uh, yes. It's from looking at previous years. It's normally a selection of um, motorsport fans and kind of motorsport journalists normally turn up. I've seen a couple of names I recognise on the entry list. Yeah, if you want to see how we get on, you can obviously follow us on Twitter, and I guess probably follow Karun on Twitter as well. I'm sure he'll be uh, posting updates as well. I don't know if there's any live timing or footage or anything online that you can follow, but if you're interested, uh, pay attention this Sunday, and we'll let you know. <laughs> 
how well or otherwise we get on. Uh, yeah. None of us have ever been to this circuit before. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I have got my own special karting gloves, though, so I'm going to have all the gear and no idea. <laughs> so there's that at least. Well, some of the gear. So, a, a small amount of the gear and what, not much of an worse? idea. What's worse, having all the gear and no idea or having just a bit of the gear and having no idea? I, you don't want to be that person who turns up with their own suit, their own helmet, their own gloves and their own boots and then, and then comes literally last. at the back of the grid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that would be a disaster. So yes, we'll be trying to live up to our name. If you want to keep uh, track of that, you can follow us on Twitter at Back of the Grid F1. Um, we're also on Facebook. Just search Back of the Grid and on Instagram at Back of the Grid. You can also look at our website, which is backofthegrid.com, where you can see where you came in the Predictions League after the previous race uh, and submit your predictions uh, next week. But I think that will probably do us for this week. So until next time, uh, wish us luck in Karun's Karting Carnival. Yeah. <laughs> and goodbye. Goodbye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> How do you make a dull race into an hour and 15 minute podcast? I know, right? Ask us. <laughs> <laughs>